0: Hello, and welcome to the Dyslexia Mom Boss Podcast, the show that helps you not only feel empowered and knowledgeable, but confident and a boss mom in the dyslexia journey. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren. Are you a mom looking for community, network, and more resources to support your child through the DQ journey? Well, look no further. I am happy to announce that I have two group coaching programs available for you. One is for the mom who's ready to level up in six weeks with an intensive course that provides you with six modules on ridding the mom guilt, decoding dyslexia, the special education process, structured literacy, comorbid disabilities, and Dyslexia and Adulthood, and there are several courses, quizzes, resources, and other group coaching interviews with moms that you can glean insight from. So if you're interested in that, I want you to find the link in the show notes to apply for this program the other program is for the moms who of course still want that community and support but this is more at your own pace this is a three-month group coaching program with five modules the first module is all about setting goals and your intention where are we going and where do we want to be the second module sets you up for success to be a confident mom or a dyslexia mom boss the third module focuses on understanding the dyslexia journey. Now, I say dyslexia, but I do delve into the other D cubes. And the fourth module, of course, we can't leave this one out, focuses on the special education process because that is definitely something that we need to delve into and feel very confident and knowledgeable about. And the final module is bonus lessons – interviews and other resources. So if this is something that really excites you or even piques your interest, be sure to apply using the link in the show notes. And I look forward to seeing you there. Right, Dyslexia Mom Bosses, welcome back. I'm very excited to be launching these mini series. Now, I have done several talks, uh, virtual conferences, live ver- live con- conferences that are virtual, and these are all things that I've actually discussed, but I've never put them in voice. And I feel since I have this platform and I know that this is helpful information, I wanted to create a mini series for you all to really have this resource out there for you all to feel like you can be knowledgeable and also pass this information on to anybody else that you think might benefit. So today we're going to hit on three things. We're going to talk about the definition, um, International Dyslexia Association's definition of dyslexia and what that means. We're also going to talk about common myths to debunk about dyslexia, and we're going to just quickly touch on the other comorbid disabilities that um, could be surrounding your child's challenges. So let's delve right on in. So you can always go to the International Dyslexia Association. That is an excellent resource for so many things. They have conferences, memberships, um, professionals, families, bookstores, program accreditations. I mean, IDA is literally the one-stop shop for anything dyslexia. Um, and they have some information out there, I believe on dysgraphia as well. But there are so many places in the world that are associated and sister affiliated and so on and so forth with IDA. So please be sure to always utilize IDA as your um, you know, foundational resource. So if you are to go to the IDA website, about dyslexia, they give you a very, very lengthy definition. I am not going to read you the entire definition, and I say this all the time because it's very verbose, very scientific, but I will read the first sentence. Quote, dyslexia is a specific learning disability that is neurobiological in origin. Actually, I'm going to read the second sentence as well. (laughs) It is characterized by difficulties with accurate and or fluent word recognition and by poor spelling and decoding abilities. So what does that mean? And there are other the there there are other sentences within this paragraph that describe it. What's important to know, you know, what's you're probably thinking, okay, Dr. Lauren, what is the bare bones? You know, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is that dyslexia is a brain-based learning difference or disability, depending on how you view it. And it's so important for you to know and understand that this is how your child's brain is wired. So I have heard parents make comments and I know that this is out of fear and anxiety um, and just the unknown, the uncertainty. Uh, Well, when will my kid get better? Or when will they be normal? Or um, when is this gonna go away? And I I recognize, you know, we as parents want nothing but the best for our children. We want to make sure that their experiences are better than ours. We want to make sure that they have everything they need to succeed. However, it's not a death sentence and it's not a disease. Um, it's not like, well, the, the clock's ticking and your life is just going to be miserable because you're dyslexic. Um, it's actually quite the contrary. And I think what you have to realize is just because – You know, you learn to read. I mean, really, if you think about it, how did we learn to read those who aren't dyslexic? It's crazy. It's really crazy. But you learn to read, I don't know, osmosisly in reading groups when you were in second grade doing your literature study with your second grade teacher. Beats me how we learned. But just because you learned in that sense and you're sitting, you know, in the family room at the end of a workday reading traditionally in in a book, a chapter book, that doesn't mean that your child needs to have the same exact journey. You need to really understand who they are in the context, how they read, how they, you know, retain information, how they actually get information. And you need to understand their working memory. I mean, every child has their own specific like, we have DNA. Every child has their own specific special way of how they are taking in information, how they are um, retaining information, and what that means. I mean, really, the bottom line is, can they master X? Can they read? Well, they'll get there if they have the right interventions and the right understanding of how their brain works. So it's really important to know that. And early in my career, I had a lot of parents that really struggled with seeing their child struggle. And they actually realized that they were the dyslexic and how painful it was for them because they didn't have a specialized private school with Orton-Gillingham certified trained practitioners to really know what to do to intervene. So we just touched on the definition of dyslexia. So please be sure to visit the International Dyslexia Association. This is a great, I can't stress enough, this is a great resource for you to really delve in and understand. Um, You know, it's a great place to start, especially for parents that are really new into the journey, because community is really important. um, Knowledge is critical, and you really need to cater what you're consuming to what is applicable to your situation. And I cannot stress that enough. You don't want to take in every single piece of information because that can overwhelm you. That can make you anxious. That can, you know, cause you to overthink things. Take it in bite sized chunks, just like with our students. And we'll talk about accommodations in a later episode. But just like our students, you need to chunk your information and see what's applicable to your child and your journey. All right. So the second points that we are going to touch on are the seven myths about dyslexia. So the first myth is reading and writing letters backwards is the main sign of dyslexia. Now, I will say throughout my journey, I have spoken to some adult dyslexics who have said that sometimes they have witnessed a letter floating or, you know, reversals moving and so on and so forth. I always defer to people who have the the lived experience because I don't. So, um, you know, that could be someone's experience. Maybe that's not your child's experience. Um, and also, too, when we talk about signs and symptoms, letter reversals up into a point is developmentally normal. It's just when it starts impacting their decoding and understanding the sounds, and you know all of that, then that's when it can be a true sign. So, reading letters and words, um, you know, backwards is not a main sign of dyslexia. Another myth is dyslexia doesn't show up until elementary school. That is a bold-faced lie. There you can, in some places, if you're seeing the right person, you can get your child diagnosed with dyslexia, I believe, as young as three or four. Now, again, I have to stress, it depends on what state, it depends on who you're seeing. I always, well, at that age, you probably want to see a speech-language pathologist because SLPs can diagnose dyslexia. I think that is a myth too. People think SLPs cannot. They can. You don't need to go to a psychologist or an educational diagnostician for your primary aged child. Most likely, they're going to tell you, oh, this. wait till elementary school. Do not wait. Do not wait. If you feel that there are signs and symptoms, do not wait until your child's in third grade, because that's only going to pile on more mom guilt for you later on, which is why this podcast exists. Which is why you're here listening. So keep listening. <laughs> All right. So myth number three: kids with dyslexia just try, just need to try harder. That is the load, the biggest load of shit. And I'm gonna say shit because when I was teaching fourth grade um, at Swift School, I just remember some of the kids like they were working really, really hard. And, you know, they would share, like, when they were, not every kid, but some kids, when they were in public school prior to, they would say, like, you know, some of my teachers just thought I was being lazy or or didn't think I was working hard enough. And, like, I just can't, I just couldn't imagine a nine-year-old telling me they're not working hard enough when I see how hard they're working every day. Now, granted, I was teaching the way that their brain works, so they were working really hard, but they were working towards a goal and a purpose. Versus, if they're in a classroom and they're misunderstood and they don't, they're not getting the accommodations and and support, it's going to be perceived that they're lazy. When really, you're probably giving them way too much language, and we'll touch on that in some accommodations in a later series episode. Myth number four: Dyslexia goes away once kids learn to read. Again, it does not go away. It's how the brain is wired. Now. There might be some things that you're noticing. Oh, this intervention helped, and my child is more fluent. Well, that's that is the end goal, but dyslexia is how. It's a holistic view of the world, just like autism. And there are so many positive traits that dyslexic people carry and have. And I've done many interviews with many dyslexic adults who've actually said, you know, when they were younger, they hated their dyslexia. But as they've gotten older, they've really learned to embrace it because it's made them who they are. So um, it doesn't go away. I'm here to tell you that. Myth number five is dyslexia is a vision problem. Now, I will say there could be a vision problem that is happening, but that's not causing dyslexia. This is how the brain is wired. It's not uh, an ocular, you know, retinal issue. You can go see an eye doctor and maybe that can only enhance their vision when they're reading, but that's not the root cause. Myth number six, dyslexia only happens in English language. Now, this one is really interesting because... I remember when I was really trying to broaden my networking and really wanting to interview folks globally as an American and as an American educator, it never really dawned on me what this would look like in other languages until I started interviewing folks in Oman and Egypt, which, you know, they speak Arabic, Um, you know, a colleague of mine in Norway. And, um, you know, I've seen... Actually, I interviewed another uh, colleague of mine who is um, Japanese, and she was sharing her story about what it was like going to school in Japan being dyslexic. And I think that this is something that we need to recognize. This is a global, international issue. This is not just something specific to the United States. And I know that I have some international listeners out there. And so, you know, the best way to know if dyslexia is happening, let's say that your child is bilingual, you know, you're going to test them in their native language because, you know, English is extremely hard to learn. You know, we know that hands down. But if there are struggles with phonemic awareness and phonological awareness and identifying letter sounds and symbols and all of that in your native tongue, that's a possibility that there could be some dyslexia. Myth number seven, dyslexia is caused by not reading enough at home. How many moms out there are irritated with that when your child's teacher says, well, you're just not reading enough to them? First things first. Just because you read to someone doesn't mean they're going to osmosisly know how to read. Okay? That's not how it works. I couldn't tell you how I learned how to read. I It's like mind boggling to me. But I did. And I'm not dyslexic. So just because you're reading to your dyslexic child does not mean that they are going to absorb the information to know how to decode. Now, they might have a, a great imagination and can visualize and really give you the, the, the sequential steps of a story and really have a strong base of co- reading comprehension. And you do need that to be a strong reader, but that will not teach your child how to decode and read fluently. All right. So we just touched on seven myths to debunk. So be sure to uh, share this with anybody that you think might be useful, might be helpful. Um, I'm hoping it's helpful for you all because these are things we need to talk about. All right, everyone. The last point that we are going to touch on are the seven comorbid Uh, disabilities related to dyslexia. So the first one is ADHD. Now this is the inability to stay focused. And there are three types. So there's inattentive, which you might see a child that's like, you know, daydreaming. Um, There is hyperactive and impulsive, which we know what that looks like. They're bouncing off the walls. And then there's combined typed. So it's really important for you to know which one your child has. And you also need to know which one is the primary disability. Is the ADHD impacting the dyslexia or is the dyslexia impacting the ADHD? I mean, it really is a moving target. The second comorbid disability is dysgraphia. So I will delve into that as a mini-series within itself. But that is the impaired handwriting, spelling, and the ability to organize and express thoughts in writing. So again, we'll touch on that in another mini-series dyspraxia. So this is when I actually had to do a lot of research on my own. And I actually interviewed um, an Australian professional, I think she's a special educator, and she's also dyspraxic and autistic. And the interview I did with her about a year and a half ago was just so eye opening for me. So dyspraxia or DCD developmental coordination disorder, this really impacts fine and gross motor skills. So I think back in the day, we used to say, Oh, this, this, kid just can't play sports, you know, they're just they they just bump into things, they fall over, they have bruises everywhere. Well, instead of making fun of them and calling them unathletic, it they're probably dyspraxic and there are ways to treat um, you know, and really early intervene so kids can build those fine and gross motor skills and you would probably see an occupational therapist for um that learning difference. Number four is ODD. This is also known as oppositional defiancy disorder. And these are recurring patterns of defiant and hostile behaviors. Now, I could do a whole episode on this. I truly believe that ODD starts surfacing when kids um, don't have the self-regulation tools and skills. And if they also have these other, you know, comorbid disabilities, you know, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it because they can't read, they become angry? Is it because they don't have these self-regulation tools and skills and they can't read and they're getting embarrassed by their teachers and their peers? Is that what causes the hostile behaviors? You know, we really have to stop and think about it because if we give people the tools and resources to, first of all, understand who we are, understand our brain, understand how to advocate for ourselves, I mean, you can set the world on fire if you really understand you. You know, what is that that phrase like the 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 person that you need to become most like, familiar with or know the best is yourself. You know, that's the lifelong journey right there. So ODD, again, I believe that is a, another conversation for another episode, but keep that in mind if you are seeing that, that your child is a little defiant or has hostile behaviors. It also could be undiagnosed anxiety because anxiety can come out in anger in so many different ways because you know, there's a level of uncertainty and not being able to control you know, what is really going on. And actually, that leads me to the next um, comorbid disability, anxiety. So the excessive worry about what may be a possible situation. So always think of the what ifs. So if your child is waking up and telling you that they have a stomach ache and they don't want to go to school, well, you need to dig a little deeper you know, ask what's going on at school, you know, oh, like, how are your friends? And, you know, there are so many things that happen on the playground and at lunch that we just don't know about and things that kids internalize that can cause anxiety, especially for our little ones who don't have the language to really say, well, this kid is bullying me or I feel stupid when I'm around this person or this teacher. So be on the lookout for that. The sixth um, comorbid disability is 2E, twice exceptional, dyslexic and gifted. So this one I feel like can be quite a challenge and you almost have to be really seasoned as a teacher to know how to identify, okay, I have this child. Let's just say, here's an example. This child is 13 years old and they're dyslexic and they're reading at a second grade level, but their their level interest and um, conversational skills are like, at the 10th grade level. So you have to find that tricky balance of protecting their ego. You can't give them second grade passages because that's gonna insult them. They're smart enough to know that they can't read and they're smart enough to know that uh, I'm 13 and in seventh grade or eighth grade and you're, you're insulting my intelligence. I'm not gonna read Bob books. I wanna read about World War II. So that can be tricky with kind of, you know, understanding who that learner is and how to support their needs. And the last comorbid disability is dyscalculia. Now, this is obviously um, another mini series that I will be delving into, but it is the difficulty that, if a learning difficulty that affects an individual's ability to do basic math. So people like to also think of this as um, the dyslexia of math. So today we touched on what is dyslexia, and this was a longer episode, but I really wanted to set the tone. And, um, you know, go to IDA. That is definitely a place, a resource, um, a foundational base. We talked about the common myths to debunk, and we also talked about the seven comorbid disabilities. Now, as I stated in the beginning of this episode, if you are interested in any group coaching programs, please be sure to click the link in the show notes. I am now accepting applications for the uh, six-week think confidently challenge. And that is the one that is more intensive for the moms out there who really want to gear up, get that information, get that group coaching calls with me and other moms. Um, It's a really impactful space and community. And then if you're also interested in kind of going at your own pace, Uh, the Confidently Leveled Up, which is the three-month group coaching. You can do the courses at your own pace, and then there are calls that happen twice a month, and you can choose when you're available. They will be recorded for you to go back and review later. So thank you so much, family, dyslexia, mom boss family, and I will see you tomorrow For the part two of the dyslexia series, we will talk about types of dyslexia and early signs and symptoms. See you there.